Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. I want to talk to you today about destroying strongholds from your life. So with it, I want you to go over to 2 Corinthians 10. Chapter 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10. This is so powerful. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Lord, help our minds that every thought will be captive to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that a great revelation? Destroying strongholds. I, one of the things I'm, I'm believing over the next few months is I love talking about who we are, who, the, who, who we are as believers, who we are as Christians. The most incredible thing that ever happened to any of us was the moment we said yes to Jesus. And the old passed away. All things became new. Our eternal destiny shifted. We were, we were heading, because we were separated from God by our sin, we were heading to hell. But when we said yes to Jesus, it all switched and now we're heading to heaven. Oh, what a, what a, what an incredible exchange. But as Christians, it's not only that we're heading to heaven, but Jesus said that I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Jesus gets right up in the middle of your life because he loves you that much. Jesus comes right alongside you. He, he said that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be the comforter. He's going to be the paraclete. He's going to be the one that comes alongside and just walks, walks with us through this journey of life. But along the way, um, sometimes there's just baggage. Sometimes there's things that the Lord needs to... It's called sanctification. There's that process where the Spirit of God works in us and to us and through us where the old passes away. And then new things. And behold, he said, behold, all things become new. And I don't know about you, but in my experience of life and my journey as a believer, there, there, that has been a process. I wish I could say, oh yeah, the moment I got saved, everything was just glorious and fixed and no problems. Well, uh, my eternal destiny was secure and will ever forbid. But uh, in this journey, and so the, the apostle said, for we, though we walk in the flesh, when you got saved, wouldn't it, in some ways, I think, and that's why he's God and I'm not, and we're not, because in some ways I would think, well, Lord, it would have been a whole lot easier if we get saved, and at that moment, it's just beam me up. (laughs) But no, we get saved, and he said, for though we walk in the flesh, yeah, you're still going to walk it out. Uh, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's that process. Okay, Lord, you're, you're, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not perfect yet, but, uh, you're working in me to do and will of your good pleasure. And he said, we walk, um, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So what he's, what he's laying out, what we kind of started last week is, there's that, there's that supernatural tension 
in the life of every human being, Christian and non-Christian, is just with the Christian, um, we've said yes to God, we've been uh, uh, born again and all of that, then the Holy Spirit comes in, we have the Word of God, we're enlightened, we're uh, new creatures, and then he said, I'm going to, Jesus said, I'll, I'll be with you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Some of you just need to encourage yourself in that, because the devil's a liar. He is, he's the father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he loves to tell, uh, tell you, well, uh, you know, he, he, he's really maybe not as close as you think he is. When the truth is, he's closer than you can ever imagine. He's abiding and living inside of you. And so he uh, talks about that. We do not war according to the flesh, verse 4 in Second Corinthians 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that is, they're not of our flesh, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So what's a stronghold? Well, it's kind of a, whenever you kind of go in and study and just look a little bit at what this, what this word actually means, it's, it's, um, uh, it, it's, it's a meaning that's illustrating a point that then he enlightens with the word uh, to make the point powerful. A stronghold is something that has been fortified. A stronghold is something that is holding safely what it contains. An old, an old word, an old King James, is, it literally means a castle. And the crazy thing about castle, whenever you look at it, that actually, it's about an argument. What do you mean, how is castle an argument? Because in, in the old days, when, when an army was going to take a castle, the soldiers actually had to talk it through. Are we able to take that? They had the argument. Do we have enough forces? Do we have enough uh, uh, strength? Do we have enough uh, re- uh, reservoir? Do we have enough supplies to take that stronghold? And so, things within our lives that are of our old flesh, of our old nature, things that are, you know, uh, not the way that God would have, have them be within our lives, they become strongholds, they become fortified, they try to hold on. And here the apostle's talking about, and he said, though we live in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. That is, there's no, how many have ever, how many found, how long did it take you to find out that just willpower wasn't enough? <laughs> I will, I will, I will. And then all of a sudden you did, you did, you did. And it's like, oh no, God. Willpower is not enough. Oh, you need it. God will help you in your will. But our weapons aren't just flesh. Our weapons aren't just what we can muster up. Our weapons are supernatural. They're mighty in God. And so uh, I want to talk to you a little about a bit about that today. Over in John 8, 36, uh, you can go there later, but it says, If the Son makes you free, uh, you shall be free indeed. That is, when Jesus makes you free, uh, you are free in fact, you are free in reality, you are certainly free. And it is that process of freeing, of pulling down those things that would try to hold you back and hold you from having God's best within your life. That's what I want to talk about, how we deal with today. And not just having to work them through within our own strength. Before I got saved, I, I was in a situation in my family where it, it, it brought me now. I know, uh, I, I really believe I was probably clinically depressed as a, as a teenager. And I'm an optimist and I'm positive and I've never had thoughts since uh, becoming a Christian. But there was a time in my life when, when suicide became, it was something that I pondered. Because I just looked at my circumstances and thought, yuck, this is not how I envision life to be. But when I became a Christian, I noticed something immediately changed in that area in the recesses of my mind. But there were still times that the battle was on. And it didn't take long. For me, it was just a couple of weeks, actually, and those things, it just left and it never came back. But I remember the battle. It was a stronghold. That had fortified itself in my mind to think, if it gets to where you don't like it enough, you can always just check out. If any of you have been thinking along those ways, I just declare the peace and the freedom of God over your heart, mind, will, and soul today. God has a better way, and that's not the answer. And I can testify. He'll set you free. But um, 
in these few verses, starting in verse uh, verse three, he he begins to lay out a couple of things. Number three, he said uh, he laid out something. Walking and warfare are different. Just living your life and and you know going to work or going to or doing whatever you do in your life and whatever that requires. That's just walking. That's walking out your life. That's just living. Is getting up every day. Um, yeah, dealing with the struggles of life, doing all the things that are required of you and that kind of thing. That's walking. That's like, we all do that. There's some of us are, are, are better at it than others. Some of us are more functional, I guess, than others. But uh, we all we all struggle with you know just being high-level, functional people in, in some of our areas of our life. But walking and warfare are different. And so, in verse 3, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Whether whether you want to admit it or not, whenever you became a Christian, and even before you were a Christian, all, before you were just held in darkness, and, and you hadn't been lightened, you didn't really understand the struggle that was going on, but now as a believer, uh, you, there's there's living out your life, but then also you've been brought into where the, the reality of spiritual warfare is a real thing that you contend with. You have an enemy. And he wants to, he can't destroy you because of the blood. He can't, he can't take away your salvation, but he, he will do everything he can to hinder you in the way that he possibly can. So he said, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. It talks about that, uh, uh, that our enemies are not, are not people, but they're spiritual principalities and powers in high places and that kind of thing. And I don't want to, you know, we don't get all focused on, you know, demons around every corner or whatever, but also the flip side of that is, hey, we, we are facing a real enemy. And Jesus said, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to see you get through, but you're going to, he, he brought us into his army, if you will. He brought us into his kingdom, into his family, and he gave us weapons that we can live victoriously with. Part of the, part of the birthright of the believer, part of the identity of the believer, is that we can live lives victoriously. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to the enemy. We're no longer just slaves to our flesh. We can live victoriously because Jesus won every victory that we needed to have won. So walking in warfare are different. Over in verse 4, then he introduces this thing, and this is what we're going to go into for a few points. So he says, the weapons of our warfare. So what he introduces is that uh, we have things at our disposal that we can do battle in the spiritual realm with. We have weapons. They're not carnal. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. God's has a purpose for our struggle. God has a purpose in this battle, and that is that we will rise above the enemy of our soul. We will rise above um, Satan, uh, who deceived Adam and Eve in the garden and all that. And at that point in Genesis, he said, Satan, there's going to come a time, and the seed of the woman, her heel, is going to bruise your head. And that was Jesus. He came. It came through the through the um, uh, the, the flesh of, of of humanity to put the um, enemy, the oppressor, the destroyer of humankind down. He said, "We have mighty weapons, and they're capable weapons." So I want to talk to you about the capabilities of God's arsenal. Right now, I've been watching. I suspect, as many of you have been, the conflict going on in in Ukraine. There's a Ukrainian church that meets here just uh, uh, not too long from now. They're wonderful people, vibrant, wonderful, powerful Christian people. But their nation, their homeland, is up under assault from a from an outside invader. I want to tell you, when an outsider invader comes in to take the, the land and the home of, of, of somebody, the one who's at the disadvantage is the invader, not the one living at home. The motivation is different. And so we've watched the whole world respond. And the, the, the thing that I've marveled at is Ukraine didn't have maybe the best army, the greatest arsenal, but the whole world has responded. I mean, they're shipping in missiles and bombs and who knows all the, all those things. And man, they're, they're, they're in the fight. That's what I'm saying. They're in the fight. The battle's going on. Well, if they didn't have the weapons, they'd have just been plowed right over. God knew you needed weapons. 
God knew we needed weapons as his people. And so here, the Apostle Paul was talking about, he said, for the weapons of our warfare, everybody say weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. God has given you and given us an arsenal. And I want to talk to you about the capability of God's arsenal. So in verse 4, the first thing he said, he said he's given us these weapons, and this is what they do, for the pulling down of strongholds. So one of God's uh, weapons, as capable weapons in his arsenal that he's made available to us, is this weapon of pulling down. What's that mean? It means when you pull something down, you uh, you demolish it. It's it's a demolition process. It's an it's actually the word goes into it pulling down. It brings extinction with it. That is, it extinguishes what was there before. Those weapons that God has put into our arsenal as His people are there so that we can demolish those things that would try to set up strongholds in our lives to keep us bound by the enemy. To keep us discouraged, busted, disgusted on the inside and, and on the outside. Our God is a mighty God and he has armed us. We are armed and dangerous, not within our own strength, but within the weapons that he's given us. You know, there's going to be, uh, sometimes you're going to have to look at some of the things you're wrestling with in your life. And you're going to have to realize that thing is trying to hold me back what God wants to have in my life. That thing is trying to hold me back. It is trying, it has fort itself, fortified itself against God's perfect will being worked out in my life. And so, uh, I can rebuke it. I can cast it out. I can do all these things, but I'm going to take this weapon of pulling down. And the Lord promised me that if I use that weapon, Lord, this is what it does. Lord, in this weapon of pulling down, I believe that the word of God will penetrate our mind and those imaginations and thoughts that try to tell us that God's not big enough will be pulled down. They will topple over. Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. How many have ever faced something that you, it looked like, (laughs) yeah, it looked like it was pretty rough. It looked like the odds were against you. It looked like it was impossible. That's where, that's where you're going to have to uh, uh, pull out of the, pull out of your arsenal, this weapon of pulling down. No, I don't care how big that thing looks. My God is able. What happens when you're facing something bigger than you are? Lord, I submit it. I commit it to you. Job said this. He finally, he got to a point in all of his struggles and all of his heartache and all of the situations he was facing and, and read the book. It's, it's, um, uh, you know, by, make sure you read it the whole way through because it gets better at the end. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but Job at one point said, Lord, even if you slay me, I'm going to trust you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told Nebuchadnezzar, O king, I was talking to somebody this week about this, and, and they said, O king, it doesn't matter. You might throw us in the furnace, and we believe God's going to deliver us, but this is what they said at that point. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. We're going to trust our God. There comes this time of pulling down where you, just, where you just have to take a stand and say, even though it doesn't look like I have what it takes to get over this, I believe that God is going to help demolish this out of my life. Sometimes maybe it's relationships or it's in any number of things in your life where the enemy is trying to overwhelm you and fortify his position in your life. How, have you lived too long and you've come too far in this thing to say, uh, I'm not quitting now. No, I've come too far. It's, I'm not going back. There's no quitting in this thing. So there's that first weapon pulling down. The second one in verse 5, he goes on. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments. There's this weapon of casting down. This is, this is an interesting thing. This is the first time I really kind of studied it through in this, in this depth, actually. Um, and I thought, well, casting down and pulling down are the same thing. They're not at all. Whenever you look at the language, what, do you, what, the, what the original language was saying out. Casting or pulling down is that demolishing, uh, tearing down, literally taking what has been built up and, and getting rid of it and bringing it low. This whole idea of casting down and this um, idea, with, uh, particularly with this, um, in the day that they were living in, casting down was the whole thought of removing a body after death. It's very much like somebody died in the home, so the coroner or the 
uh, uh, you know, the mortuary comes by or whatever, and they remove the body out of the place. You see, this is the way Jesus looks at you. Your enemies are already dead. Why? Because he, he conquered them on the cross. He killed death, hell, and the grave. And he took the keys of them. He overcame every weapon that the enemy would use against us. He came against everything that was hostile toward the kingdom of God. And he made a way where there seems to be no way. And so this weapon of casting down is that sometimes, Lord, I need that, that dead thing that is still trying to hang on. I need you to just, by your spirit, just remove it out of my life. You know where this, I think, particularly applicable is in the thoughts of, and memories of the past. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like at times something triggers and the rewind button gets pushed and it just and it just starts to replay all over again. You need to use this weapon in your arsenal that Jesus gave to you of casting down. Lord, I cast that memory down. I want you to remove that dead body out of my life to where I'll remember it no more. What's he say about our sins? He said he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, I remember what I forgave you of. No, he looks at you as justified and he looks at you as though you never did anything wrong or anything ever happened to you in that regard. It's this weapon of casting down. It's one of the, one of the greatest things that I think the enemy uses against people is the rewinding of the lies of the past or the pain of the past or even the abuse of the past or the tragedies of the past or the heartbreaks of the past. You know, a couple things that Jesus came to do over in Isaiah, it says that he came uh, to set the captives free. Thank God for that. How many have been set free of a couple of things, at least? At least one thing. You've been, yeah, we've all been. And then he said, he said, and he came to heal the brokenhearted. I think it's one of the greatest unsung ministries of the church that we need to tap into because the world is full of brokenhearted people. The world is full of disillusioned people. And Jesus came to set captives free, but he also came to heal broken hearts. How does he do that? He removes the dead body. He takes it and removes it out of your life to where it's not the controlling factor anymore. And uh, the enemy will just say, no, that's, that's who you are. That's your identity. That's what, uh, yeah, that's just the way it happened to you. That's the way it's always going to be. No, it's not. No, the blood comes and it does away. We just, we did communion this morning, right? Remember the cup? We drank the blood. It cleanses. It heals. It purifies. Another um, capable weapon within God's arsenal that he's made available to us is in verse 5 as well. Casting down those arguments. <clears throat> Listen, I'm not minimizing anything that's happened to you. Bad stuff happens to good people all the time. Our God is greater than that. He's greater than the bad stuff. What happens is now you have a testimony. I'm more than a conqueror. That tried to conquer me. But through Jesus, I'm more than, I'm going to con- He's enabled me to conquer it. It's not going to conquer me. But then, verse 5, he goes on and he says, And bringing captivity, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. All of those things are going to do just what Satan did to Eve in the beginning. Did God really say that? Oh, is what that uh, uh, Bible saying to you, is that really true? Is what those people that are preaching the word and teaching the word, is that really true? God really, yes, it really is true. And it's even better than what we can interpret. It's more than what we can comprehend. Casting down those arguments against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity. Bringing captivity. Bringing every thought in the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought in the captivity. This, remember we started talking uh, talking about the definition of the stronghold? This, bringing captivity, is just the opposite. It's the flip side. It's the antidote. It's the vaccine. Uh, if you will, for, for the stronghold. It is, it is the bringing under control of another's authority. 
It is, it is that thing that, that happened in my life that tried to stamp me with whatever uh, is lie was. Now bringing in captivity, I bring that thought up under the blood of Jesus Christ. I bring my thought under the obedience of the mind of God and the obedience of Christ. And that thing is brought under control. How many people have you ever taught? Maybe you've thought this. I just can't help it. We raised five kids. Oh, I heard that speech more than once. My brother is so, I just couldn't help but punch him in the head. Okay. Whatever. You bring it up under control in your life. That's why we didn't do it today, but that's why uh, I, I love making the declaration about the Word of God. That I can have what it says I can have. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. It's a book full of promises. And they are yes and amen. The promises in the book are yes and amen to those who... How many believe in Jesus? All the promises are yes to you. Well, man, that promise is really big. Maybe that's just for like, you know, Jimmy Swaggart or something. No, it's for you. <laughs> no, every promise is for everyone. It doesn't, there's no caste system in the kingdom, if you will. Everybody has same access to every bit of it. How bad do you want it? I want it really bad. I want that stuff to be brought under control, under the will and the purpose of God. And I'm going to finish with this. This is one of the most powerful points in the whole thing. And as you read through it, it's not that it's difficult to understand, but it can get, you just got to kind of let each line uh, upon line, precept upon precept, uh, come into place here. So, we have this weapon of casting down arguments that would exalt themselves against the, the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought in the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, and this is the one that Christians will read it, and they don't know what to do with it. And be ready to punish. Some translations say, be ready to revenge. Be ready to avenge. All disobedience. And, 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 and they get kind of confused. Well, God, I'm not supposed to take vengeance. And, and you're right. Vengeance is the Lord. It's not yours. But this is a weapon that you have, this readiness to avenge. And be ready to avenge, be ready to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is, ful- is fulfilled. This isn't talking about other people, this is talking about what's going on in your life. The Lord has brought this system of justice that he will work within your life, this, this weapon of the readiness to revenge. And this is what it's about. It proceeds from this thoughts of justice. God is a just God. His judgments are all good and they're all true. You might not understand them, why it happened the way that it did. But there's coming a time when we go to the other side, then we will know all that needs to be known. Then we'll see, okay, now it makes sense, Lord. Sometimes it doesn't. And I, I don't know. I imagine probably everyone in the rooms had, has some things that you have questioned God about. But yet in the final analysis, you've came and said, but not my will, but your will be done. Remember, that's how Jesus prayed. That's a good way to pray to things that you don't understand. Lord, I want your will to be done within my life. I don't understand it all, God, but I want your will to be, be done within it. And so there's this readiness to, to, re, to, uh, to avenge things. This proceeds from the justice, um, determination, and will of the Father. And this is what it does. It vindicates a person's right. And this is what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, you reap what you sow. That's an immutable thing. God said, uh, God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. But thank God that Jesus came and the blood supersedes that, right? When you bring it up under. Now we're not going to reap death and eternal destruction. Now we reap eternal life and forgiveness and, and the goodness of God. But there is this thing where uh, the, the uh, justice of God will, will uh, bring justice within your life. Ultimately, when you get to heaven. But there are also times here when God will fight your battles. 
And we're specifically told we're, we're just to, uh, to, we're to be humble. We're to, we're to walk uh, humbly with our God. We're uh, to, not to avenge ourselves, but trust the Lord in it. But here's the thing about trusting God. He will work on your behalf. It's called the favor of God. How many have ever experienced it? Oh, Susan and I have experienced it. We just, we're amazed at it, man. It's just like the favor of God is better than, than being the smartest person in the world. He just, he just makes ways where there seems to be no ways. He does all these amazing things. This, this uh, part of being ready to avenge and, and revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is God's territory, not man. That's why he's saying we live in the flesh, but we don't war. Or warfare is not in the flesh, it's in the spirit. So, God, they did this to me. What am I supposed to do with it? Well, God, I want you to sick them. <laughs> God, I surrender this to you. That you'll work it out. You know my heart. And well, okay. Something happened to you, it wasn't your fault. What happens whenever it was your fault? God, I bring this to you. Your justice is going to prevail. It's going to work out in my life because you will make a way where there seems to be a way. This is, this is where it gets down to. This is God's territory, not man. And this is what happened. The legal authority to make the enemy give it back. That's what he's talking about. Good. Whenever you begin to realize that there are some things that were stolen from you, uh, and, and, uh, and, and that now there's this injustice, there's some type of, uh, vengeance that needs to take place. And I can go through the Old Testament teaching of the law of, of, of blood and avenging murder, and, and it's a, it's a good teaching, a fascinating thing, we just don't have time to do it here. But this part that he's talking about here is the legal authority that, uh, you have in your life with God, where He will make the enemy give it back to you. So over in Proverbs is the teaching that if the thief steals and he gets caught, he's made to pay it back. You know who the father of the original thing of stealing things is? He came, who's he? The devil came to steal. The first thing he does, he steals stuff. He wants to take what is not his. The legal authority in this, Lord, everything the devil has taken from me, I surrender to you that, God, your vengeance, as I come bring my life into obedience with you, God, that you will cause all those things to be paid back in my life, whether it be here or over there. But, Lord, you're going to uh, bring vengeance upon my life for what the enemy stole from me. That should encourage you because now the battle is not yours. Now you can just rest. I know that God is a just God and he's going to work it out all good in my life. That's how we be. He's a good God. He's not good some of the time. He's good all the time. And he's better than you can imagine. God, I put my trust in you, Lord. Everything that has happened, every false word, every, every, um, I dealt with people through years, uh, quite a number of them, who have been uh, victims of criminal activity. I didn't do anything. And they came and they did this to me. What do I do with that? Surrender it to him. What's your weapon? Readiness to revenge. That is, turn the revenge over to God. He's got it handled. He'll deal with it. Much better than you could ever deal with it. How many remember the story? I'll close with this of Corrie Ten Boom. That's been a long time now, but she was a, a young Jewish lady in World War II that endured the Nazi uh, Holocaust. It, was, uh, it, it infected her family, all those around her. And finally, all the years, she witnessed it. She was miraculously delivered. She was used to bring others out of, uh, out of the um, death camps and all of that. And finally, it came down uh, later on in her life where there she came face to face with one of the Nazi guards that had murdered and persecuted her, her and her people. And her whole testimony was how at that moment the Lord brought something in her to forgive and release it. And all the hate and all the pain and all, at that moment it would just lift it off. The Lord brought a healing that would never happen with like, I'm going to get him. Turn it over to God. Watch what he'll do within your life. I pray for our young people. I pray for all of us in this because we live in this crazy thing called cancel culture. 
You know what that is? You step out of line and you'll be canceled. You know, there'll be all bad things about you and all that. Well, guess what? As Christians, <laughs> as soon as they find out that you believe all of this and somewhere on there, oh, you're going to have portion, you're going to, you're going to be canceled. So don't be afraid of it. Stand strong for Jesus. Uh, be ready to give a witness in a, uh, to, of the of the hope that is within you that everybody was asked. Forget about uh, oh, what your what your online profile is going to look like, and uh, uh, and say, God, I trust all of that to you. I trust all of that to you. Let's stand this morning. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands in this, but I do want to pray for this, and I want us all to agree together in praying for this. Um, if anybody here is struggling with these thoughts of suicide, with these thoughts of self-destruction, or you know people in your family. My family was, was, a, was impacted as a young man uh, and later in life with suicides and, 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 and those things. And, and uh, it's a devilish, demonic thing. I'm going to break and bind that today. We're going to pull that stronghold down today. So if there's anybody here and, you've been, and the enemy has been lying to you, that that's the, that's the way you need to deal with some of your issues, we're going to just pray that you'll be set free from that. Uh, maybe you know somebody, friend, family, neighbor, something like that, maybe somebody on the job, and you happen to know by virtue of whatever, you would, never, you would never openly share it with us, but you know they're going through it. I want you to stand in the gap for them and pray for them right now, that the Lord would set them free. And that the joy of living for Jesus will become the antidote for that. So, Father... Uh, lay, let's everybody just lay our hand on our heart because that's where this condition really starts at in the mind and the inner man and the inner parts of our being. Lord, I pray for anybody here today that's been struggling with these thoughts of, of suicide. Lord, I bind that in the name of Jesus. We use the weapon that you have given us. They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Devil, I declare, uh, we come against that fortified thought that uh, is working in somebody's mind and I, I declare you have to surrender. You have to give up uh, our, our authority in Christ. We take it over you. Let them go. Let the captive go free. Lord, I pray for those that um, uh, that have just been so impacted by the COVID shutdowns. They're still struggling with coming back into normalcy, God. I pray that they would be set free, Lord. Lord, we declare today that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I pray, Lord, that there would be a freedom and a victory that would permeate every believer, every person in this room today. That, God, we would go knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, our hope is not in us. It's not in even a church or the people. Our hope is in you. And greatly are you and greatly to be praised, O oh God. Lord, I pray today that any bit of depression or any bit of heaviness, Lord, it will be replaced with the with not only the joy of the Lord, but with the idea that my God is worthy to be praised. And we're going to worship and praise our way out of this in Jesus' name. That's part of our weapons. Lord, we cast down every stronghold, everything that is fortified by a lie within our life that said our God is not able. And we declare today that our God is more than able. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's put our hands together and thank the Lord for he's a good God and he's good all the time. Uh-huh. Go and be an encouragement to somebody today. Go and bring the joy of Jesus Christ into somebody else's life. They need it. Go and share uh, his great counsel with them that our God is able. We'll see you next week. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Hey, let us know if any if any of you have testimonies of people being touched. We'll let you know what happened with Susan's dad, if any of healing and that kind of thing as we were praying in communion today.